Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. I believe this is the 177th edition of Popcorn for Breakfast. So uh, that's that's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. Take that, Oscars. That's like what? That's like almost twice what they have. And, and Kirk, before you say anything, you're muted. So just unmute yourself before you do that. How about now? There you are. Man, that's like that's like the new this ritual. Is, yeah, it's like, all right. I let let's be clear. I never worked remote during COVID. Yeah, I never dude. had thoughts and prayers. I think, I think my my highest number of Zoom calls to date is twenty. Um, oh, I don't know if it's a world record or not, but I'm 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 clocking pretty good numbers over here. Meanwhile, I'm over here. <laughs> I'm on like year two of this working from home thing. It's now permanent. It's a permanent gig for me. I'm yeah. like, you know, just living it up. And I, and the things that I complain about now with my work, it, like compared to my last work environment is just so hilarious because it's just funny how you move the goalposts, you know, like I used to complain about real things like commuting and things like that. And now I complain about things like, Oh man, the remote's all the way over there. <laughs> so before I, before I turn on another old movie, before I you know transition from Blade Runner: The Final Cut to Donnie Darko, I'm gonna have to get up and walk all the way across the room. You um, have an entire folder on your phone dedicated <laughs> to remote apps. Oh man, and I'm just like I, this. Just proves this is the human condition. I will always be mad and disappointed with something. Like I, I live the most plush work lifestyle ever and yet i'm like oh can't believe this is happening not this anyway kirk welcome in kirk's here as always um i'm your other co-host cam this is popcorn for breakfast it's a little bit different this week a little bit different because as you may have heard the oscars were last night and if you didn't know that the oscars were on last night which is okay because um ratings have been down for the oscars so it's it's certainly possible that you we're not tuning in, but I'll bet if you were on the internet um, around what nine o'clock uh, ish central time, yep. you found yourself watching the Oscars to see yeah. if there was any uh, any fallout from uh, what's probably one of the most memorable things that I've ever seen on live television in my life. I think the only thing that compares that I could think of, and I was much too young at the time to really understand the impact, and this was also pre Twitter. Uh, is the Janet Jackson uh, wardrobe malfunction, Kurt? What do you think? Precisely. That is the exact same thing <laughs> as I was, you know, processing this moment from last night. Like, what else has been this big? Yeah. And it has to be that. That's it. I think that's it. <laughs> like, those two things are the tip of the iceberg. Of course, the incident we're talking about is uh, Will Smith walking on stage to confront Chris Rock, which ends in a physical altercation, him actually slapping Chris Rock across the face on live TV before returning to his seat, yelling obscenities at the stage. Uh, so we're not going to dive into that yet. We're going to get into all of that, okay? But we're here to recap the Oscars. So typically when you tune in on Monday night or Tuesday morning when you're listening to your podcast, um, you come for what's popping. Well, the only thing popping right now is the Oscars. So we figured we would just turn this into... An Oscars post show, for lack of a better term. We're now about, you know, close to 24 hours removed from the big show. Hollywood's biggest night. Hours, 24 hours to the minute from the slap heard around the world. Is that true? Right now. <laughs> Is that true? 
it's pretty I'm probably it's pretty true. close. Probably pretty close. Yeah, it, and it was the slap heard around the world, so we'll definitely get into that. But we're going to be talking all things Oscars tonight. We're going to talk the incident. We're going to talk the awards, the winners, the losers, and we're going to talk about the show because the show, you know, for better or worse, the Oscars themselves, the actual production found themselves, uh, you know, in the center of the limelight heading into this because there were all these rumors about, you know, is this the last year of the Oscars? Can they manage to make it interesting? Um, can they, you know, can they get the ad dollars, the viewership? The ratings were in the toilet last year. Like, what's it going to be? There were all these faux pas with who's going to be hosting. Is there going to be a host? Rachel Zegler doesn't get invited. All you know, there's all these big things happening. Um, so there was a lot of storylines about the Oscars, and we're going to evaluate at the end to decide where things stand heading out of the 94th Academy Awards. Will we see this show televised again? And, uh, you know, what's what's next to come? So there's a lot of ground to cover. But before we get into all of that, I want to remind you guys, if you are on the stream, thank you so much for being here. As a reminder to those of you not on the stream, every Monday night, 930 uh, Central Daylight Time now, because of that whole thing though. I think that's, that's coming to an end, right? Has, right. Is that, is that a the, done deal? The house of representatives is uh, looking over the bill and deciding, do they want that extra hour of sleep in the fall when we fall back or not? Oh, Lord, How long does this, I mean, it was a unanimous <laughs> vote in unless, the Senate. I, unless I mean, the bill I is think, just like earmarked to oblivion with like right. a bunch of terrible I, things. I think the Senate got the bill uh, at 10 a.m., and I think it was solved by 10.04, and the only reason it took that long was for everyone to cast their vote. Like, it was so fast and so unanimous. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm come ready. on. Come on, elected officials. This is the layup. Let's nail it. So anyway, <laughs> 9.30 Central Daylight Times when you can find us on the stream. You can find us wherever. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. We're there every Monday night doing what's popping. If you don't have time to make the stream or it's too late for you or, or what have you, you can always catch our What's Poppin' edition the next day in podcast form where it will live in perpetuity. All 177 episodes of Popcorn for Breakfast are available for you on any podcast app of your choosing. So whatever way you're listening, watching, thank you so much for being here. We're glad to have you. We have a ton, a ton, a ton to get into. And we are going to get started with what's popping, which in this case is the Oscars post show. Kirk, are you ready? I'm so ready. Here we go. All right, so it's Hollywood's biggest night. Um, some have called it Hollywood at its best. I have contended for years that it's actually Hollywood at its absolute worst. Um, <laughs> and perhaps no greater living testament to that sentiment is uh, what we saw last night. Um, so we're going to back it up. Obviously, everybody has seen the clip, so we don't need to do a synopsis like if we're doing <laughs> a review episode. But I want to talk about the incident I want to talk about the joke, Chris Rock's joke towards Jada Pinkett Smith that led to her husband, Will Smith, Academy Award nominee at the time and a winner after the fact, um, led to him walking on stage during a live television event and assaulting another human being, um, in this case, comedian Chris Rock, and and the fallout thereafter. I mean, he also he also sat back down in his seat and said multiple times, keep my wife's name out your effing mouth. Of course, if you're watching in the U.S., none of us got to hear that because <laughs> the producer, God bless the person in the ABC 
production room just smashing the dump button and holding it down for all time. Um, it's not a fun position to be in, but they did a good job and they got it off the air. So, Kirk, let's take it back to the very beginning. When this happened, what's going through your head as you're watching it? And I know that you didn't you didn't watch it live because, you know, we both have kids. You have kids. You're putting your kids to sleep, doing that whole thing. And so you didn't get the instant <laughs> Twitter waterfall <laughs> that happened. Yes. But what was your reaction when you saw it? When I hit it, I felt in it like I was Will Smith reacting to it because as a movie buff, uh, I heard him say G.I. Jane 2, and I'm like, oh, it's kind of funny. I, I bet uh, I bet uh, Jada was in G.I. Jane 1. It was not a great movie. That's Same funny. thought. That's, and, and then immediately taken aback, like, why is he prancing up there on stage? And, oh, maybe he's going to throw his arm around him and and give a joke. And no, no, he, he, ass- <laughs> he assaulted famed comedian Chris Rock. I was expecting because I had this this air of knowing something had happened because I was watching delayed that, that there was like a Tom Cruise moment um, just like a silly crazy like whoa that's out of character and then I get this uh, completely unexpected you know slap in the face like it absolutely blew my mind I laughed out of total discomfort I watched it six times back and I just can't get that sound of him connecting with Chris Rock's face out of my head yeah, I, I mean, it's a totally shocking thing. My first thing, you know that I'm always the conspiracy theorist, Kirk. I'm, yes. I, you have watched many live things with me, and you have probably heard me shout at the top of my lungs, staged, this is staged, this is staged, <laughs> so many times, like countless times. Um, so unsurprisingly, that was my initial reaction because the way that they muted it, the way that the slap looked, I mean, the, the, the form on the slap is hilarious. It's, it's absolutely preposterous. And I'll pull up the, <laughs> I'll pull up the image while we're I sitting mean, here talking about it. I think it was beautiful. Form. No, it was, I mean, it was good form. But that's what I'm saying. It was like almost too good. Like if you were, were actually, if you were actually slapping someone out of rage, you wouldn't think that you would have like perfect slap form full palm straight across the face and follow through he finished looking yeah. like a like a dragon ball z character after he after he hit hit him and so i was like there's just no way i mean there's no possible way but then as i sat there and i watched the crowd react and i watched everybody react and i replayed it back to watch chris rock's reaction um i was like okay <laughs> This is the real deal, and this is the after photo here. Um, so I, I was surprised when that was revealed. And then I was watching live, so I immediately go to Twitter. I was already on Twitter live tweeting for the podcast. If you don't follow us, at PFB underscore podcast, we live tweet stuff like this. And so, I mean, just flooding. I mean, so many tweets coming in, hot takes galore, and the hot takes have not start, stopped for the last 24 hours. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know, first thing, let's def- figure out if this is real. Quickly, everybody got to the bottom of this is this is real, this is happening. And then the weirdness started where it was like, Oscars go to commercial break. There's pictures from the audience, like people who were there posting on Twitter that Denzel Washington and Tyler Perry have pulled Will Smith to the side. Will Smith is crying. They're talking to him. He, he, Will Smith's publicist is obviously there and almost certainly horrified by what has just occurred. They're talking to him and they come back from a commercial. Everybody's kind of like, 
there's a weird energy going on. Um, and he's still there. Will Smith is still there sitting in the audience and he is the presumptive winner of the best actor award, which ended up happening and he got to give a speech for it. So it's really was a shocking way that this all played out, but let's back it up a little bit. Um, as we talk about this and talk about the context behind this, because I think if you're like me, you've spent the last 24 hours <laughs> reading every possible thing that there is to know about what's happening. And so the reason that I first thought it was a GI Jane joke, Kirk, and that Jada must have been in that movie is because roll the clock back to 2016 Oscar. So white Chris rock replaces Kevin Hart as the host that year. Um, and he's doing the show Oscar. So white that was boycotted by so many people of color, um, actors of color, etc. The most significant of whom happened to be will and Jada Pinkett Smith. And so as all good hosts do, and as all comedians do, he, Chris rock takes the stage with a joke that I, I remember to this day, because I think it was like probably the biggest joke that he got in his monologue about Jada Pinkett Smith not being invited in. And the joke was pretty lewd, so I'm not going to go into the details on it. We'll keep this a family show. Uh, but th the idea was saying no to a place where you're not invited to is not actually saying no, is what Chris Rock was trying to say, meaning that Jada Pinkett Smith wouldn't have been invited because she's not a good actor. So when you hear the G.I. Jane joke, Kirk, my head went exactly to where yours was. I'm like, this is an acting joke. You know, she right. must have been in that movie. She's been in the biz for a long time. Yes. She's had, a, you know, a really wide range of roles. And so I'm like, this is a joke about her acting career, which made me go like, this is shocking. Um, and it, it would never have elicited the, the result we got out of Will Smith. Come to find out, and, and maybe, and we'll talk about this too, maybe Chris Rock was finding about out about this at the same time that I was essentially that Jada's hair is the way that it is because she has a condition called alopecia. It's a, um, it's an autoimmune disease that can cause you to lose your hair and often does. And she has very recently been public about that struggle and hair loss and all of those things. So that took what felt like a pretty soft joke into wow, that's a joke in poor taste because that's a joke that's about somebody's medical history. That they have no control over, right, right. Right. So that makes it a pretty rough joke. But there, there is, of course, the possibility that he didn't know about that because the where, where people found out about it is these are people who are like avid fans of the Smiths. Like you and I read movie news every day. Did you ever see anything to your memory about Jada Pinkett Smith's alopecia diagnosis? Single. Not a single sentence, no. No, and and so they shared this on Red Table Talk, which is their Facebook Watch series. Um, and so every once in a while, something will get picked up from that, <laughs> a.k.a. the entanglements <laughs> incident that got <laughs> picked up for that reason from Red Table Talk. Um, but this one really didn't ever make the round, so I was just as surprised as everyone else to be learning about this. And it immediately made me go, ooh, that's a, that's a rough joke. And... Hop forward to the last piece of context. As we speak right now, about an hour and a half ago, Will Smith has issued a public apology for the assault portion. So he did apologize specifically to Chris Rock, not just to the Academy. He did say that violence is never the answer. He said that it was an emotional response and it can't be excused. And he said all, all of the right things. So we, we give him credit for that. 
But now let's get into this, Kirk. Now that we have the context, and now that we have the apology from Will Smith, what's your take on the situation? It's a scary thing because I don't know in Oscar history of a of an award being stripped from a performer. And there is serious call to action for that. Um, there is now an official investigation by the Academy who was not responsive uh, at the forefront there. They, they came out and they said there were lots of immediate conversations. There was consideration of removing him immediately. And they were on the phone with literally everyone in the Academy and literally everyone in the FCC trying to figure out what would be the best path forward. And that's a scary thing because once you start doing this, then where's the line where, you know, we have this cancel culture of what, what, what makes it worth taking something away? I mean, you sit with Roman Polanski, who has been evading the country since the 90s, and yet he was given an award in the 2000s by the Academy. And of course, mm-hmm. he couldn't come and receive it, right? And you have this, a public assault, uh, which maybe... Maybe Will should have just like ran backstage real quick and slapped him. <laughs> maybe, and maybe it would have been fine. Maybe it would have been as big of a deal. There would have been no embarrassment. And maybe Chris could have, you know, understood it. Maybe there would have, be, would have been a conversation. But the immediate knee jerk reaction is how. Uh, how this ran out, got out of control. I mean, Will just couldn't contain himself. He was trying to fight for his wife, but we also have to have self-control and not attack people uh, based on our feelings. So, what are what's the academy going to do? It's a big moment. They have made so many mistakes, so likely the next one will also be a mistake. <laughs> if you strip Will Smith of his award that he should have received ten years ago for Pursuit of Happiness or many of his other performances, where's the line, and who else who gets affected by it next? Yeah, I think I think you may have just drawn the line, Kirk, which is that if there's a crime that's committed that violates the academy's you know, they have a code of conduct. They are an association, right. you know, they're an official and he's an Academy member. Um, so if, if it violates the Academy's code of conduct, I think they withhold the right to remove a reward an award. I do not think they should go that route. Right. That being said, the way that they handled the incident last night is shocking and appalling to me in every possible way, because here, here's how I'm seeing this go down. You've got a lot of entities at play here, Right. You've got ABC who's broadcasting the awards and is in charge of the production. You've got the Academy of Arts and Sciences who are the association putting on the award show. They're responsible for for hiring the hosts, uh, staging the production, getting the presenters, all of the X's and O's around it outside of getting it on TV. And you've got the Dolby Theater who probably has policies and, and such things and probably security. So as soon as this occurs... They have to be scrambling to figure out, is this real, and how do we respond? To me, I was shocked that there was not some sort of security protocol immediately that says, we got to get this guy out of here. Because someone coming up on stage, period, that's not meant to be, is a security threat, and any head of security is going to be sweating heavily in that event. So I'm very surprised. Then you have the assault that takes place, which... Let's not sugarcoat it. A a grown man, a grown adult slapping another adult is assault. It's a crime. And if Chris Rock had chosen to press charges, there's a good chance Will Smith gets arrested last night by LAPD. So that is what it is. So in my opinion, the Academy has to excuse him from the room. They, They have to immediately get him out of there. 
Because what are we, what message are we sending with that? Like, you invite comedians to come on this show. You invite them to stir the pot. They want them doing things like this. They want them telling edgy jokes. This is far from the most off-color joke I've heard on the Oscars, and this thing has been going on for years and years and years. Right. It's, a, it's a joke in poor taste about someone's medical condition. It's bad, okay? It's much worse than I think Chris Rock realized. But security has to get involved to protect the presenter who the Academy invited on their behalf to present and to tell jokes and to be funny and be edgy. They have to step in and protect them. Otherwise, going back to your point, where is the line drawn? You know, it's, it gets to be very scary for people up on that stage. And then if Will Smith goes on to win the award as he did for best actor, you say the Academy apologizes for obvious reasons. We had to excuse Will Smith from the audience. We will make sure that he gets his award. We will make sure that he gets a chance to say his thoughts. You cannot send him on stage unscripted, after that just happened on live TV, I just like that blew my mind. I, at that point, I'm surprised ABC isn't hitting the big red eject button because this is on their airwaves <laughs> and the FCC is going to murder them if anything else happens. I was shocked by that. The, the, the Academy should absolutely, regardless of whatever strong worded statements they have out there right now, they should yes. be absolutely embarrassed for the way that they handled this last night. Yep. My, I kept looking at Aubrey. We're again, watching delayed time. And I'm like, why is he still there? You know, you cut to different shots. You're like, okay, Jada's still sitting there. Is it the seat filler there too? Like what's going on? They absolutely should have been removed immediately. Uh, there, there's also someone just shot us in the comment that there shouldn't have been, there should have been an apology to Chris immediately. And yes, yes. there should have been. That's he, a softball. He, he danced around it so hard. It was like, you're clearly not saying Chris's name to for your own proud reasons, and you are in completely wrong. It's so sad because I have been such a big fan of Will Smith for so long, mm-hmm. and something like this really can just completely ruin your image of a person because you're like, wow, like really, like really, like that's a private moment. You go, you go talk to him backstage, like, listen, man, you drew, you cross the line and you explain why this is a very real possibility. Chris didn't realize what was happening. This whole thing is so, so messy. The, the fallout from it will register for years. And a bigger part of that is, can we remember the awards, the groundbreaking awards that happened last yeah. night? Uh, no, and the answer is no, I mean, unfortunately. And that's the next thing I was going to say. And there's, there's two layers to my next point on this. One is that Jada Pinkett Smith is not nobody, you know. She's a mature, grown, successful woman with a very successful career doing many other things other than acting. She's a businesswoman. She's got all of these things going on. In this day and age, and and really ever, she does not need her husband peacocking this macho man situation and taking matters into his own hands and slapping someone in the face on live television to defend her honor. I understand that Will is in an emotional situation and sometimes you feel that way. Sometimes you feel like you want to hit somebody. I get it. But here's how I feel today. Uh, Immediately after the awards and after I had read things, here are the people I felt sorry for in order. Chris Rock, I felt sorry for Chris Rock. I felt sorry for Questlove, whose who's documentary, yes. Summer of Soul, which was brilliant, by the way. I absolutely loved it. Watched it last week. Couldn't get enough. I thought it was so great. Uh, his whole moment was tarnished because that was the award that was being handed out, and he won. 
all of his fellow nominees in the documentary category. I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for every honoree in the In Memoriam, which happened shortly after this event, which is supposed to be a very like sobering, important part of the show. And, you know, I do feel sorry for Jada, but not nearly as sorry as I would have felt if Will had kept himself in check. And we get to hear from Jada after the show her feelings about this. And I still haven't heard anything from her on this. She did. She got her voice taken away in this whole situation. She got embarrassed, humiliated in front of everyone when this mm-hmm. is her deal. She should have been the one to get the chance to say, Chris Rock told a hurtful joke. This has been a painful journey for me. Hair loss is, is tough for anybody, men, women, uh, but especially women because societally they're, they're conditioned that your hair is part of your attractiveness. Your attractiveness is part of your value as a human being. That's just the facts. So it's a tough road for people with hair loss, especially if it's completely out of your control, a genetic condition, um, what have you. She should have been the one saying those things. And the consequences that would have come on Chris Rock as a result of that would have been far greater than Will Smith's slap in the face. So if you really wanted to get back at him and protect his wife, he should have been standing next to her as she delivered her statement on the events and asked for an apology from Chris Rock. Instead, Will Smith is issuing apologies today. It's a disaster. Into um, eight-year-old logic. So if my son, uh, if he hears something he doesn't want to hear, it, such as um, please, uh, please wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, <laughs> and he, <laughs> and he comes and he hits me as hard as he can. Well, I say, well, son, you cannot hit me. That's not appropriate. That's not a good example. I just wanted to remind him right now on this podcast that he's washing <laughs> well, hands. Hygiene and is for important. some reason. Let's rewind it. Let's say his sister, his his sister, half his age, um, said, you know, holds a toy in front of him and says, look what I got. And he pushes her just not like not like throws down, but just pushes her out of his way. Right. He gets in trouble. And I say, listen, Ash, if you just would have came up to me and said, hey, she was teasing me because she knows I wanted that toy. Guess who gets in trouble? Her, not you. You're scot free. Yeah. And I'm going to go chat with her. OK, don't put your hands on anybody. Let's talk it out. Right. So it's it's that simple. This it is, goes down. Yeah, to this is first grade, man. <laughs> fundamental learning. Yeah. And you're exactly right. And the, and the last group of people I forgot to say that I feel sorry for. And this is probably the biggest group is the Williams family. My yes. God, what a nightmare for them. And they showed them during his award speech and I there was such a mix of emotion on the on the Williams sisters faces on their family's faces I just my heart literally hurt for them. I was sick to my stomach for them because this is supposed to be a really big moment for them and their family and and their father it, it, it's just to be there representing and being honored for your portrayal of another person of another person's family member and then to act that way it's just it cannot happen yeah, happen. I think they did during his apology, during his award-winning speech, he said something, uh, and maybe it was the part where he says, art really does imitate life, and I think the sisters were covering their faces because they're oh, like, yeah. oh, I mean, no. What a <laughs> horrific thing to say, which is exactly what you're going to get when you send a guy who's just, you know, that's, at that point, that's on the Academy at my, uh, like. It's true. Will Smith going up there, no matter what his publicist has coached him on in the last 15 minutes, it's not going to be good. It's going to be unscripted garbage, which is exactly what we got. He said even more embarrassing things. He didn't apologize to anyone but the Academy. Um, it was it was bad. It was really a bad look. Really, really bad. 
This, I mean, if I'm Will Smith, next steps are um, active volunteering, public volunteering, um, public anger management classes, um, maybe even hosting uh, an anger management course after he has gone through some of that. Maybe if his next role needs to be something about control and peace, I don't know what that looks like, but it's going to be a while before the public can see him in a movie and actually go see it, which is tough because he is a big blockbuster name. I agree. And to, to the people who are on the other side of this, it sounds like you and I are, are mostly aligned on how mm-hmm. we feel about this, but to all the uh, family over everything people I was seeing <laughs> today and last night, I want to say that absolutely applies. Um, but it, it doesn't apply when someone has just said things and then you hit them. If someone tries to hurt you or threatens harm to you or your family, then yeah, it might be called for, for you to act in self-defense, you know, do something. But this, this is not family over everything. This is, this is a like unnecessary violent act. that should never happen. Right. Chris Rock's joke, edgy, crossed the line. He didn't know it. He needed to be informed. Was it wrong to say yes? Did he know it? Most likely not. Now, had he had been egregiously just going after that, if he would have doubling down and milking that joke over and over and over and over again, maliciously, then there might be another conversation. Still shouldn't have hit him. But there was, uh, it was a one-off joke and he was trying to move on when the situation escalated and occurred. Here's here's the other thing to your point, because I, I don't think it's been confirmed yet. If it hasn't, if it has, I haven't seen it that Chris Rock didn't know. I don't think it has been confirmed yet, but here's what makes me think he didn't like really didn't is that if you watch the unedited clip or the uncensored clip right after Will Smith first yells, keep your wife's name out my effing mouth. What, what Chris Rock says and I quote is, wow, dude, it's a GI Jane joke. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't thinking, he was thinking of it as a, as like a funny she looks like Demi Moore in GI Jane because she has the like the short hair. She Correct. has he, he's if he would have said, "Wow, dude, it's a hair joke" or something, then that would have been totally different. But right. the the fact that he said GI Jane tells me that he he really was thinking of it just like he was just reacting to something he saw in the audience and wasn't thinking about it in any sort of way outside of that. It's almost as if Chris Rock was like, man, I got nothing to say. Remember that dumb movie? Yeah, in the 80s exactly. That Moore did? <laughs> I'll just say something about G.I. Jane. It's almost as if he thought of it moments before he stepped on stage. And then that's what happened. <laughs> like, if he was since they are exactly right. Such disbelief. Like, G.I. Jane, you seen it? Like, I know he was like, nuts. he was like, what? <laughs> this is not an offensive joke. <laughs> Obviously, he probably now knows. But at the time, there's no way. I really don't think there's any way that he did. Right, um, right. Also, last thing about that is uh, that um, the the G.I. Jane thing and the Chris Rock thing, et cetera, like the way that he handled that and the way that he responded, even in the un, even in the unedited versions, like it was perfect. Like he is responding perfectly the entire time. So I was amazed by Chris Rock. Like he takes a slap in the face doesn't do anything like just takes it right in the chin uh like pretty pretty amazing stuff and then 
just keeps rolling. And, and, and he, he did have to like catch himself and say, he, he, like, he had other things on the prompter that he had to say. And he didn't say them. He was just like, let's just get to the nominees. But he didn't do anything else. He, he never like, he didn't jaw back and forth with Will Smith in the audience. He was just like, wow, man. Like, sorry, I, I will, I'm good. We're good. And he, full of class. So I was, I was impressed. So good job, right. Chris Rock. He, he comes out looking like the good guy here. And, and really, Will Smith's got to be kicking himself for that because um, it's his fault. That it, that it looks like that. So I think he knows that now. He, he obviously issued an apology. Kudos to him for doing that. Um, hopefully it turns around and, and things are better and we can go back to enjoying Will Smith. But to your point, Kirk, like you've been a fan for years. I'm a quasi fan. I, I'm not like a diehard Will Smith guy, but it hurts. It hurts your public appearance. It hurts your, hurts your credibility. So um, it's just tough. It's tough. But We'll talk about <laughs> if that whole incident actually enhanced the show or what happened at the end here. But let's transition, Kirk, if you're good, unless you have anything else to say on the Will Smith stuff. I'm good. Let's okay. keep going. Let's talk awards because <laughs> after all, they were handing out little golden guys last night, Kirk, and it's kind of like the thing that me and you talk about all year long is like what's going to be nominated, what's going to win, etc. So let's go through some of the storylines, okay? Most nominated movie last night by a lot, was The Power of the Dog. It was nominated in 12 categories. Um, typically, when you see a movie that's a huge frontrunner, that's the kind of stuff that you see. You know, like, I think, um, if you look back to, there have been other movies that have been nominated for 12, but that's kind of like, that's kind of the tippy top of where movies get to. Every once in a while, you see a little bit more, but that's a huge amount. How many awards did they take home last night, Kirk? One. <laughs> One award, and, and I the wrong one. And we'll get into that, Kirk. But like, I don't know if that has happened. If if anything's ever been nominated for twelve and only one one, I'll have to look that up. But that's a shocking performance. And the movie is The Power of the Dog, nominated twelve, one one. The one award it won was Jane Campion directing, which is confusing to like. To win one award, award out of 12 nominees and the one award you win is for directing, which is like the award that sort of is next in line to best picture for encapsulating the whole movie. That is a real head scratcher, but I don't want to take anything away from Jane Campion. Third woman ever to win the award. We've now had mm -hmm. two women in a row win, Chloe Zhao last year and Jane yep. Campion, Catherine Bigelow being the, being the third. And Jane Campion was also the first woman to ever be nominated twice for the award. So certainly a historic win for her um, awesome for her that she got to do it so many years after the piano was nominated and, and to actually take home the big award. And she was nominated against Steven Spielberg in that year too. So they, they faced right. off then as well. Um, so really a historic night for her Kirk, but I want to go back to power of the dog winning directing. How does that happen? I am. Um, I have no clue <laughs> because, <laughs> because they didn't win any of the technical awards. They were nominated for a bunch, but they didn't win any of them. I'm just as speechless now as I was then. I mean, as we know, uh, there are so many um, different performers and different directors that kind of missed their chance because of like stacked years. And mm -hmm. this might almost be that, honestly. And mm -hmm. I mean, Jane, Cam uh, Jane Campion's been in it for, been in the business for a long time, but you really haven't heard her name that much. So 
why is the reason for that? What what back uh, behind the scenes politics have been pushing that aside, right? Yep. So this might be kind of an apology like we get with some actors' performances. Most notably, Leonardo DiCaprio. His performance in Revenant was great, but was it his best? No. No, no clearly. It was a technically good performance, but there were other things that transcended better, right? That so was an apology that, for Django, for sure. <laughs> it, it really was. It really was. Um I see this as it has to be an apology for something. Um, I don't think she, it doesn't deserve it for, for all of her other body of work, but it came as a shock because when you have, it always comes as a shock when you have everyone lined up and you're like, great, great, great options, great chances. And then you're like, wait a second. Yeah. They haven't won anything all night and this wins it in the last five awards. It doesn't make sense. No. And and it makes you wonder (laughs) like, do we need? Do we have some new uh, academy members that we need to educate or something? Does the academy need to be refreshed on how this works? Because look at the movie that won the most awards last night. It was Dune. Every single award <laughs> that they won was for technical prowess, visual effects, sound, uh, film editing, you know, production design, things like that. Um, and Denis Villeneuve isn't even nominated for director. <laughs> All of that stuff waterfalls down from the director role. You know, he's choosing the people that he works with. He's coaching those people on the aesthetic, how he wants it to sound, how he wants the production to look, how he wants the costumes to look, how he wants the visual effects to look. Like, he has his fingers in anything, in everything. Doesn't get nominated. And then the, the director who does win the award doesn't get a win for any of those categories and doesn't get nominated right. in every single one of those categories. It is shocking. It is shocking to say the least. So that's definitely one of the big storylines. Um, another big one, Coda. I mean, Coda nominated for three awards, won all three of them. Best actor in a supporting role goes to Troy Kotzer. Uh, best adapted screenplay goes to Sean Heater or Sean Heder. Heater? Heder? Hater? Both. Oh, no. Just say both. I think it's Hater. <laughs> and then uh, best picture uh, wins the night. So three nominations three wins coda massive performance last night um your reaction kirk is i know you're taking victory laps right now because you correctly predicted this last week i did i did you know often we have talked about in years past that we wish that there was an oscar like a real oscar okay not the fake one that the flash one for snyder cut i'm talking a real oscar for best scene and if you can nail it down to that then you're most likely going to pick the best picture. When you have, spoiler alert, when you have the moment in CODA where the daughter comes back home after her big recital and her big performance and the dad who felt very out of place, who again won the best supporting actor uh, win last night, he, he says, sing your song to me. And she sings it sitting there on the back of a truck bed in the midst of just their, their home and they're outside under the stars and he's feeling her neck for the vibrations and, and just trying to understand what it is. And it is just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Like the fact that this one is so great. Overall, the movie does have some issues, but the heart of that, you cannot imitate that. You cannot recreate it. And that's why I'm so glad Coda won. Yeah. I, you know, this, this one is tough for me with Coda because to your point, Kirk, I don't, I don't think it was the best movie nominated. Okay. It was not. And, and uh, like before you throw your stones at me, anybody out there listening, 
I liked the movie, okay? I'm a fan, and I thought it had a really good chance of winning. It gained a ton of momentum heading into the last week. Apple spent a ton of money promoting it um, in the in the four-year consideration campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. It is the most... It is the most memorable movie of the year, and for that reason, is why I'm not surprised that it won, and why I think I'm why I think I'm ultimately okay with it winning, um, because sometimes that happens where where the movie is just something that hasn't been done before, or or can't be duplicated, or something, um, and, and that was the case here, where it was like this, you know, a, a cast of mostly deaf people telling a story about a child of, of deaf family members. Um, it's, you know, and I know that this is adapted from a different film, a French film. So I, I understand all that, but this is the first time we've seen it on, on this scale. And so it is, it is groundbreaking. And for that reason, I'm okay with it winning. Um, when I look at the best picture category though, Kirk, there are better movies. There are better movies that could have won. I think West Side Story was a better movie. I think that technically the power of the dog was a better movie. I think that Drive My Car was a better movie. Um, and, and you can make an argument for, for just about any of those films. And so that's that's the only reason why I get a little bit like, eh, it should go to the best picture. But I see what the Academy members are doing. I see that they're saying, this is a movie that stands out. This is a movie that defines this year. And we're giving them the win. So Yeah. I really, at the beginning of the season, before I'd even seen it, I was just screaming from the rafters, Belfast, Belfast, Belfast. Yeah. And I was torn between that, Coda, and, of course, West Side Story. Those were my top three. They were all just swirling, just depending on the how I felt that day. And when I rewatched Coda, it gave me a sense of, holy cow, there's nothing else that moves you quite like this this year. This absolutely has to win. I mean, tears streaming down my face both times I saw that movie, specifically when we hit that scene uh, with the father and daughter and her singing her song, just a private performance for her dad. It's so sweet. So I think that, you know, oftentimes the Academy nominates people for the films for best picture to move art forward or yeah. things that were different that have never been done before that were innovative, which every one of those movies minus don't look up. Am I right? Were yeah. definitely worthy of that. So I think that while it was a crapshoot for, for the other nine in the category, I'm yeah. really happy how it turned out. Yeah. And don't look up, got shut out. So that's a, that's they a did. win. That's a win. <laughs> I you don't nominate Bad movies again, please. You can try again next year. Like, do better. Please, <laughs> please. the beauty of it. Please do better. Um, we know you have it in you. So, yeah, Coda ends up being the big winner of the night. Apple TV Plus, man, they invested a record-breaking amount in that movie. And guess what, guys? Looking ahead to next year. this. So, here's the backstory here. After Palm Springs broke the record at Sundance for winning the highest bid ever by a, by a, a service buying a, a movie... They followed it up. Apple TV Plus followed it up with with an even more record breaking number for Coda and, and the number that they, they paid for distribution rights for that film. So the movie was exclusively on Apple TV Plus. Flash forward to Sundance this year. The biggest movie at the award show is Cha Cha Real Smooth, starring Dakota Johnson. Guess who bid a ton of money and got that? Apple TV Plus again. So I don't think Apple TV Plus knew in its wildest dreams that Coda had a chance of winning the big award. I, I Maybe they did. Maybe they foresaw this whole thing. I certainly didn't whenever they purchased it, but 
keep your eyes peeled. Cha-cha real smooth could be, could be next down the pike. Um, all right, moving along, a couple of quick hitters here. Let's talk about uh, Drive My Car. It won an international feature. That was sort of <laughs> obvious after it had been nominated for Best Picture. It's sort of similar to what happened with uh, Minari, for best you know foreign language film went to Minari and or Parasite uh, too did the same thing where it was like, well, it's, it's the only foreign film nominated for best picture. So it kind of has to win best international. Um, that happened here Encanto won best animated feature. And speaking of Encanto, Lin-Manuel, man, he could, he couldn't get his EGOT again this year. The O from the EGOT, which stands for Oscar. Uh, he, he was denied it again, this time by Billie Eilish and Phineas, um, who delivered with no time to die, which is a great, great track. And Riz Ahmed, won his first Oscar he did. Uh, for his short film, The Long Goodbye. So lots of good storylines there. And then l- let's let's transition from awards and talk about the show because we got to talk about some other things. Okay, Kirk, you brought it up. So I consider this more part of the show and not a real award. And that's these fan, <laughs> Oscars fan favorite hashtag American uh. Idol style votes that they did. Um, so if you weren't paying attention to this because they were kind of like randomly slid into the production as many things were, and we'll get to that. If you weren't paying attention, the Oscars did a new thing this year to try to make themselves more hip and cool and with it. And that thing was to do Oscars fan favorite voting where the fans could give an Oscar out to a moment. So they had fan cheer moment or something like that. And, then they could also give one out to a movie. So the movie one was from this year. So from the, the, the Oscar year, but the fan cheer moment was from seemingly all time kind of. And yes, yes. <laughs> which was bizarre. It, it makes no sense. Okay. Which was also like, it, I think it only went back to like 1999. Yeah. Like, I yeah. Think I think you're right. I think it was like 21st. One. I think it was like 21st century. So anyway, hilariously and predictably the way that this panned out is that those psychopathic Snyder fanboys got in there and worked their magic and stole two awards for old Zach. Listen, I have two opinions on this. One, these are the scariest people on planet Earth, okay? These people are horrifying, these Snyder fans. They will rob, pillage, murder for this guy no matter what. I mean, they yes. they have created more social movement in the last 10 years than I think any political movement I've ever seen in my entire life. They made Warner release the Snyder Cut of Justice League, which Warner did not want to do under any circumstances. And then they watched it so many times that it became a huge success for Warner and shot up the rankings. They, not only did they deliver a win for Army of the Dead, which is a bad movie, a bad, bad movie. We reviewed it. We did, and neither of us liked it because it's bad. That (laughs) movie somehow won fan favorite, beating out, and this is what's even crazier, it beats out Cinderella, which you're competing, when you you have that movie in second place, those are the K-pop, One Direction, boy band, 13-year-old girls who vote on American Idol all the time. Like, that's how crazy the Snyder people are. They beat them. And then, horrifyingly, 
the thing that won Oscar fan cheer was titled, this was the actual title, Flash Enters the Speed Force, which is in the Zack Snyder Justice League when Flash, like, goes super slow and is like, it's a cool, it's a cool scene. Um, but that beat out earmuffs for any Spider-Man no way home people, <laughs> the three Peters and Avengers assemble from Endgame. Like what? What? Insane. Absolute lies. <laughs> oh, and my second thought on that is because I said that that was my first point. <laughs> my second point is ha ha to the Oscars. This is hilariously backfired, and I'm so glad that it did because it was stupid. Yeah, you can't just like open that up to the public with no filters. I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, ninety percent of it was DC actual people voting. Five percent of it was bots, oh, and the bots other five percent was the general public. Like this, this is what a disaster! What an absolute disaster that was. I, I mean, love it. It feels like it feels like something that would happen in like Veep or like. <laughs> 30, 30 rock like one of these one of these like mockumentary parody shows yes. that like they thought they had this really great idea to like make things cool and hip and then the psychopathic fanboys uh, the Zack Snyder army <laughs> comes in and takes over it's just it's so it's right. so beautiful I mean speaking of American Idol I mean way back in like 2006 2007 there was a competitor bless his heart he just wasn't cut out for the competition and there was this movement online because the internet is an evil place to vote for the worst competitor to make sure they win <laughs> the contest and the judges knew about it and they started to like apologize for the bad performer like hey man incredible you're still here it wasn't that great. We'll see what happens. <laughs> like Hilarious. destroying his heart, which I mean, Simon Cowell was even like, Hey, we'll see you next week. <laughs> he knew that this movement was happening. That is what I also see this as that this vote for the worst kind of pushed its way back into this, this opportunity for trolls. I mean, what an absolute disaster. I think this would be fun. I think this would it be, could, fun it play. could be. Yes to the Academy voting members only. And that's it. I think that would be a fun way to do it. Or you open it up to very specific trusted critics or um, film influencers who have credentials or a specific following in that, like um, like Straw Hat Goofy or, or someone of that kind, right? Where you can trust him and his audience or her and her audience where you say, those people can make a real, a real vote that other people, the viewers, would latch on to. Yeah, there has to be some sort of there has to be some way to rein it in. But I'm 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 very glad that, that it failed tremendously for them because it's it's absolutely hilarious and, and they deserve it. Okay. A few <laughs> other things about this show. Okay, let's talk about this show because this this is this is high stakes. We talked about it. So the hosts, they did host this year. They did three Amy Schumer, Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes. Let me know if you share this sentiment, Kirk, because I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I was just out of it. I feel like they were very, very minimally involved in this show. Is that true? Like, like I felt like they were never around outside of like shortly at the beginning and then slightly from time to time, but like, like, like even less so than most Oscar hosts. Yeah. That part was tricky because when you have a host, you see that person, when you have three hosts, they each got a moment. 
Yeah. Amy Schumer got a monologue. So they have their opening. All three of them are together. Then Amy Schumer had a monologue immediately following. Then, um, who was it? Regina Hall. Yes. Yeah. I don't know her name very well because I haven't seen her movies. Regina Hall is immediately the next one. Killed it. I'm, I really think both of them did a fantastic job. And I think Wanda Sykes' video monologue uh, through, the, through the new AFI Institute oh, uh, Museum was fantastic. I think all of them in their own right were knew exactly how to showcase themselves yeah. and they were all successful. But to your point, it felt like they weren't there because we, we got that much less of them because we were splitting them up. And then yeah. there was that weird thing that they, that they still try to do is to step into the audience and the weird seating up front uh, for the VIP awards. And uh, it's, it just never works out. It's, they need to cut that immediately. They and have re- to stop. Restructure that. They, they just keep trying to recreate the Ellen DeGeneres selfie they do and they can't do it and and every attempt is more embarrassing than the last and it's just it's horrible last year it was last year it was the terrible the twerkathon situation that was so so bad the worst nothing will ever be worse than that this year wasn't great but it thank goodness it wasn't that right it wasn't (laughs) that um the other thing going on with this production is they tried to splice in all these awards that were pre-recorded my take on that is it was horrible. Um, the editing, because it was being done in 30 minutes to an hour tops, was awful, choppy. I mean, they're obviously chopping it up to try to save time, but it just felt awkward, clunky. The transitions were abysmal. I just felt like that was failed, failed, failed experiment. And, oh, by the way, this show was 20 minutes longer than last year's show, and they cut what seven six seven awards uh yeah that's that can't happen that's that's an embarrassment i can't believe it it's pretty great because they intentionally did that to save time (laughs) yeah and even with the will smith debacle (laughs) that didn't add that much time on honestly no it didn't and here's what's here's what's most hilarious to me about it so the academy as a entertainment property the whole big concern with them and why the Academy is an endangered, like why the Academy Awards are an endangered species as it relates to television award shows is that the the movies that people see are often not nominated, right? Like those two things don't usually correlate. And so the mainstream people don't get into it. So this year there is one movie that could probably be classified as mainstream that was nominated based on its box office earnings. And that was Dune. Dune won more awards than any movie last night. Five out of six of them were pre-recorded and cut down tiny. So it got very little screen time. That's a huge failure. If you're you're trying to make your show more watchable for the mainstream, don't push Dune to the side for all of their wins when tons of people saw that movie. It's it's laughable. Right. And to that point, you know, I was, uh, I was like going into this, we both were like, oh man, I really don't want, don't look up to win because it was clearly just not a well-structured film. Yeah. It could have done so much better. Pant just like destroyed by critics. Right. Uh, even joked about at the Oscars, like a, a really well landed joke uh, yeah, there about, about how the quality of that movie and you see like, so let's say you're a big Dune fan. You're like, man, I love Dune. I thought it was wonderful. You're watching the Oscars. They're winning and winning and winning and winning. And you get to the big ones. You're like, okay, there's no one in the acting categories. The director's not nominated, but I got best picture. 
and it, not even in the conversation, not no. even in there. So and, it's like, what's the balance? What's the balance of how these get nominated? We used to have, not used to, we still do, you know, the big five, the big five award. No one was eligible for the big five award because they, none, none of them got nominated in all of the top five categories yeah. uh, consistently, not even the top three. They weren't even there consistently. So no one could have done it. Right. How do you bridge that gap of mainstream versus cinema? Well, I think, what they used to do a really good job of, I felt like, is having the host do these big bits that were themed around the the most talked about movies. So, like, I know when The Dark Knight was nominated for the awards that it was nominated for, they did, like, a big Batman bit. And so they could have done a Dune, like, a funny Dune bit with the hosts, like acting like they're in the movie. They used to do so much of that. And, and oftentimes it was hilarious and kind of like made the show. Um, they do, they do nothing like that anymore. Right. They've taken I mean, a lot of the spectacle out of it really. Yeah. I mean, you think of like the Billy Crystal hosted Oscars and that's when you get them, right? Yeah. You get him diving in, in crazy costumes, uh, going from move, jumping from movie to movie, inserting himself. And it's just funny. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Good. And that would be enough to, to give the whole show momentum at the front end, even if you didn't watch um, uh, Belfast, maybe you're like, well, it's a black and white movie and yeah, I'm yeah. not Irish. So like, maybe that's not your, your jam. Right. And so you get to the end, but you saw this front you're like, that was kind of fun. I really, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. Can't wait to see what happens next year. It's a weird thing. It's a, it's a very difficult formula to crack. Yeah. And if you look at the way they started this show, it's bizarre because the monologue, which a lot of people like to tune in for because it's usually like a big spectacle, sometimes a mu musical number, sometimes like fun little video clips like we were just talking about. They decided to start this show with Beyonce performing Be Alive, which like obviously usually you can't argue with the fact that Beyonce is the one starting your show. I mean, she's the queen. <laughs> she's incredible. And that's a great moment. But for that, like for them to start the show, but with an original song nominee and then kind of like weirdly transition into the monologue was like from a, from a show structure standpoint made no sense. And I don't know if I believe that it was live cam because yeah, they, maybe it was, that's fine. But I mean, it really like from a viewer's point of view, it really looked like a music video. It so did. Yeah, yeah. I'm turning in, I'm tuning in to see the Oscars live. Very few things are live anymore. And I see a music video while I love Beyonce. I didn't come for a music video. I yeah, want right. to see her perform on a stage where I know that that is happening in this moment and no other moment. So I, that, I'm with you. That was a really strange choice to open up like that. I feel like they absolutely could have done that on the stage. Yeah. Or outside the theater and then have her come they've in. Done, like that's they've done, done some so of that times. before. Yep. And that always, that's always a hit. You know, they've, they've performed on top of buildings and then dropped them into the building. They've done all kinds of crazy stuff with the Dolby theater. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's odd. So the last thing we don't talk about Bruno. I mean, they, force fed us this performance right like they this movie this song was not nominated um much it's a blunder by disney they decided to submit dos Guitas instead of we don't talk about bruno why i have no idea <laughs> they thought it had a better chance of winning spoiler alert it didn't win um so mission <laughs> failed and so the oscars scrambles to throw together this first live performance ever of we don't talk about bruno um 
And what I was expecting is, you know, everybody's tired of this song, <laughs> right? Like, I, I love Lin-Manuel and I love the music and it's great music, but we've all heard it 500 billion times at this point. It's a great song, but everything has, you know, it wears on you, okay? So you're expecting to see a live performance and be like, man, it's just so good. <laughs> you know, you, you really want to like have that feeling. Instead... How would you even describe that, Kirk? Like, what, what what did they give us? It was not it was not a full live performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno. Yeah, you know, for those, if, if you're not like an avid Oscars historian, I'm not like up there, but there is a historic um, show opener with Rob Lowe, who cannot sing to save his life and admittedly <laughs> cannot. He opened the show when he was in his prime of movies uh, back in the eighties. And it is listed as the worst moment in Oscars history. Uh, I mean, now it has some competition, but they, they sung the, this, these ridiculous songs. There were parodies of, of 80s songs, and there was all of these random costumes that had nothing to do with some movies, and then some were direct replicas. That's what this reminded me of, where you had, you, you had this incredible song. It's perfect. Just do it live action. Get the same actors. Um, throw the robe over John Leguizamo. Have him creep in the background. They're so Oh, be great. You have the choreography. It's been it's been drawn in. Just make it possible for humans to do. I mean, people would have absolutely loved it, and they turned it into this weird, um, almost like a like a fiftieth anniversary of of the cast returning, uh, kind of celebrating that they're still alive and that they got to do this. Yes. Uh, it was they changed the words so terribly oh so they, it was so bad it was it was so the secondhand embarrassment was so uh, bad the self-service they even said like shout out to lynn like oh in the i lyrics. know i know it was so so bad also megan the stallion what <laughs> what was that choice okay so they sing half the song it, it barely okay they barely yeah. sing half the song then they throw in megan the stallion to sing a verse that's totally new or to, you know, to rap a verse that's totally new. And then yeah. they change the words on the chorus for the final run through. And then they wrap it up disastrous. It was horrible. I, I, I haven't seen a single person who was like, Oh man, that was so I, I've not seen one person say a good thing about it. And two of the most memorable and iconic parts, two of the parts of that song that people cling to the Dolores part where she's doing her like quiet sing songy rap yes. thing. And the seven foot frame rats, like they, they cut both of those parts. I just, I could not make sense of it at all. It was just such a head scratcher. Yeah, they, they really, really messed up. And I think that if, if they would have landed that, then people would have a different feeling of the show. I mean, it's, it was yeah, it's quite possible. It, it was a big choice. It was a big bold choice to switch that. I don't know how that got through the production team to say, uh, yeah, this is a good idea. Anytime you have a performance and you reference the place that you are in, it is immediately a bad choice. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey, I'm singing this song and what's up Oscars. Oh, and I, I want to sing my song <laughs> that you heard in the movie. Like it's, it's bad. It's really bad. It was, it was rough. Okay. So <laughs> to bring all that back, the Oscars ratings came out today uh i believe is nielsen reporting it 15 million households checked it out last night 
That's a 56% increase over last year, which will forever be known as the COVID Oscars um, because it was the only Oscars to happen in the COVID era. And uh, it was bad. It was abysmal. And, and really the film selection was bad too, because like a lot of things weren't able to get put out. So there just wasn't a ton of intrigue. So when you hear that 56% increase, take that with a grain of salt because last year was such a dumpster fire of a year and a show and all of those things. So overall Kirk, how do you feel about the Oscars? Was it a successful night for them? And do they have a future on TV? I saw also saw, I just want to put a little asterisk next to that as well. I saw that that 15 million spiked after the, the Will Smith incident. Oh, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once Twitter was on fire, people turned over to it to see what was next. They just left it on. Um, I think that while they had some pretty big issues, and I am 100% willing to call them out all day long, for some reason, this felt so much better than the past couple of years, uh, specifically COVID. And I would even say the year before, uh, or the two years before that, I felt like there was an energy injected into this to attempt to not make it so, and now the Academy Awards for this and this. There were only a couple of moments like that. Like uh, uh, from memory, Kevin Costner's speech for best director was very dry, like very, very dry. And probably only one other time they didn't bring out the the academy people like we are from the academy and we count the numbers and this is why film is important like those that not putting that alone makes the flow of the show so much better so even with all of its missteps i enjoyed this year's oscars i will agree with you on on the fact that this compared to probably the last 5 years of oscars is a step in the right direction. Okay. Like I I think that from a pure entertainment standpoint, this at least felt like the Oscars. It felt, you know, for better or worse, felt like the Oscars. So it it, it wasn't necessarily like, Oh, this is so great. It was just like, this is the Oscars, at least in my opinion. And was it entertaining? Well, yeah, duh. I mean, because of what happened, I mean, of of course that's insanely entertaining has a ton of entertainment value like there's no doubt about that so uh, the unfortunate thing is it was a bad thing that happened and shouldn't be a part of the show and has nothing to do with the academy's production um, which I thought could have been a lot better it's like it's one of those things like you said like compare it to recent years I feel like this is a triumph compare it to the best Oscars that we've ever seen or, or the Oscars that you know we grew up with you know in the early 2000s the 20 even the, the 2010s uh, it, it doesn't hold up. It's not as good as a lot of those shows that we had. There's just still something missing in the formula. Um, it, it's perhaps just gotten, I don't want to say too crowded because I don't want them to cut awards out, but it's just bloated with the wrong stuff. Um, yeah. The fact that you have to introduce 10 Best Picture nominees is kind of a drag on the show in general because that takes a lot of time. Um and, and there's there's definitely more ads now than there used to be. Um, so it's it's a balance. I, I felt So I felt like, in short, this year was better than it has been, certainly better than last year. It's, it's, it was better than it has been in, in the most recent years, but it's still not where it was. And, and I think that 
so many things are fighting for our attention now for content. I mean, March Madness was on last night too. So it's like, it's hard to know how much longer something like this can survive on television. When the fact of the matter really is, this is a special interest event. This is a niche event. This is for people who love celebrities in Hollywood, one, and on the other side, and, and perhaps, you know, it's a Venn diagram, right? Like there are people in the middle too, and people who love film and, and like the art that is film. So that's not that big of a group when compared to all of America. So it, it I wonder how much longer we'll have the Oscars on ABC. I liken this to your comparison of the MLB, that where the MLB has just been losing viewerships and has just been trying to create new rules to uh, create a better viewing of the game, of the game flow, uh, attract younger users who are not watching baseball at all because there's too many games. You can't keep up with it. You can't keep track of it. There's too much. So similar uh, we have, and I'm not a sports guy, but I'm uh, drawing the line, the connections, the parallels is that the Academy has operated in a very regal certain way. And last night you kind of got this moment, like, whereas f- 10 years ago, when someone messed up a line, you're like, are you kidding me? This is the Oscars <laughs> where the energy that was on stage that when someone messed up, there was like this long silence. And then the other, pre- the co-presenter, one of them's like, Hey, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) They were able to like dig at them a little bit. And I even feel like last year during, during COVID or, and the previous Oscars before that, when that happened, even there, there was some tension, like (laughs) who's this joker that needed their glasses to read. They should have memorized like that energy was so much better. And it felt like, even though I'm accustomed, I'm an old soul to like liking that sort of thing. I was attracted to this, this energy that was brought. So I hope I hope this is a move in the right direction. We we need more of this. We need um, no more references to we're at the Oscars, and we need security on high alert for every moment <laughs> of the show going uh, forward. Uh, 100%. 100%. So we'll see. This time next year, we'll see if ABC's back on the host search or if it's uh, shutters for the Oscars. Um, I, don't, I don't know that it'll happen that soon. Certainly, they won't pass up the opportunity to have the uh, – when, when the opportunity comes, the 100th annual uh, Oscar Awards, I'm sure they'll, they'll at least hang around until that happens. So I don't think anything right. imminent there. But for better or worse, it's the Oscars, right? It's Hollywood's biggest night. For people like us who love movies and like love, love movies, it's great no matter what. And, and last night was interesting for all sorts of reasons, which we've just uh, recapped here for you. So thank you so much for listening. You knew we were going to talk a long time about the Oscars. We had to. I mean, this is this is it. This is the Super Bowl for us. We have to get into it. Um, but we had a good time doing it. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have any thoughts, anything, any uh, takes that we didn't give that you're like, hey, this is my take on this and you want to share it, please do. We want to hear it. Uh, we talk about this stuff all day long. We love to do it. Uh, we love to, we love to hear about movies and, and thoughts on actors and actresses and all these things. So hit us up. We're not hard to reach. You have all the socials. If you're listening in the podcast, you can find them down below in the description. Same with the stream. But thank you so much for listening. Um, I am traveling for business next week, so it remains to be seen what our release schedule will look like. But lots of exciting things coming for you, superhero fans. Moon Knight premieres this Wednesday on. Uh, I almost said Marvel TV plus. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's right. what they should call it. That would be great. They really should. <laughs> um, I just made that up on Disney plus uh, and uh, Morbius 
comes to theaters this weekend. So yes, yes, getting great reviews online. Maybe the maybe the best picture winner for next year's could Oscars. Be. I made a hilarious what I thought was a hilarious Jared Leto joke uh, regarding the Will Smith situation. Okay, but <laughs> it's like one of those jokes that if somebody doesn't immediately get it. It's bad because then you have to explain it. By the time you're done explaining it, it's not funny anymore. But I said, <laughs> great. Now in two weeks, somebody's going to have to explain to Jared Leto what happened with Will Smith last night. <laughs> and that's funny <laughs> because when COVID hit, Jared Leto was off the grid in some freaky deaky uh, situation, some sort of retreat off the grid. And he came back to COVID and was like, what? Like basically a, basically Rick Grimes waking up in the zombie apocalypse. Yes. Um, so that was my joke. And I just had to explain it again. So I guess it's really not that funny, but um, here we are. We will be seeing Jared Leto and Morbius sometime very soon. We'll keep you guys posted. Uh, but on that note, special thanks as always to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs and rhetoric who created our original music. You can catch those guys on all your favorite music platforms and we will see you guys next time. Talk to you then.